You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We'll move away from the professional side of things, get to the college side of things. Mm-hmm. Brian Thomas Bendit of BC Powerhouse, the SB Nation home of the Big Ten Conference. Thomas, how's it going today, sir? Doing well, doing well. Friday, uh, middle of the Sweet 16, can't ask for much more. No, definitely not. I, I know I'm very happy it's Friday. It feels like it's been a, a very long week here. Uh, let's recap Thursday night before we look ahead to Friday. There are two Big Ten teams in action on Friday, so we'll see if the conference can get somebody in the Elite Eight. But obviously the place to begin here with this segment would be Maryland. They get dropped by 16 by Kansas. Uh, what did you see from the Terrapins in that game? You know, it was it was about what I expected. I, I think you have yet a couple issues. You know, um, the first half, you know, Maryland, they hung right with Kansas, you know, playing really well. Diamond Stone was uh, making plays left and right. And, and Perry Ellis really didn't look that great for Kansas. But, um, you know, as, as Kansas typically does, they, they hung around, they hit some shots, they got a few turnovers, and, and they made their opponent make the mistakes first. And, uh, you know, Maryland's bigs got in foul trouble, uh, particularly Diamond Stone had to hit the bench. And after that, they just they couldn't hang with them. Um, I thought Maryland overall played pretty well, but, uh, you know, they had to get lucky on some calls. You know, they had Jake Lehman, who, who ran a uh, he got a steal, ran, had a wide-open dunk. He gets called for a technical. They lose the dunk. Uh, just plays like that, you know, key fouls. They needed everything to go right to beat a team like Kansas, and fortunately it didn't. Um, overall, I think a solid season for the Terps, but certainly a disappointing way to end. But I guess my moral to the story is I, I just think it was, it was Kansas being really good. I, I didn't think it was it was Maryland necessarily being bad. Well, and that's, uh, it's kind of the thing that we've seen from the Terrapins this year. They've largely beaten the teams that they were supposed to. I know they had that ugly loss to Minnesota. And that they've largely beaten who they're supposed to and in the venues in which they were supposed to do it. But when they did step up in competition, that's when they had issues. And when that was the case here, where they stepped up in competition, they just weren't able to get the job done. Certainly. And, and I will you know, throw out just again, you know, uh, this isn't even your typical top 10, top 15, top 5. You know, this is the number one overall seed. So this is, you know, the highest of the high competition. You know, obviously Kansas, I'm, I'm sure it's still the they were before the tournament, the odds-on favorite to win it all. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I was kind of after the game, I was tweeting a little bit and, and talking about, uh, you know, Maryland's season overall. You know, obviously everyone wants to recap it after it, uh, after it ends. And, Really uh, kind of a mixed season for Maryland. You know, they come in with just extremely high expectations. You know, the ranks in the top five, unanimous Big Ten uh, title favorite. And, you know, they don't win the Big Ten. They come in as a five seed in the tournament, uh, get to the Sweet 16, and it's over. And, you know, we'll see on some of these NBA decisions, uh, you know, for Trimble and Stone and, and Robert Carter. But, uh you know, it really felt like this team should have done more. I know sometimes it's easy to say, well, you know, look at all your talent. You should win. Because, you know, you actually have to put it together on the court. But 
given this roster, this team should have been better than a five seed. And I said it last night, but they they shouldn't have had to play a Kansas team in the Sweet 16. You know, obviously, if you make the Sweet 16, you're going to play someone good. But th- this should have been a potential Final Four. They had no business being seated that low, and and that went back to the regular season. You know, losing to Minnesota, losing to a, a solid but not great Michigan team. Uh, you know, some of those losses that they needed to, you know, losing to Wisconsin at home, those are games they needed to win. They let them slip away, and you end up with a, a Sweet 16 game against the number one overall seed. So I, I still think it's a solid season. Um, you know, they went the deepest in the tournament they have in uh, over a decade, but uh, certainly didn't didn't fully live up to the expectations. Well, and I think that you, you already touched on it a little bit, but the big question is, where does Maryland go from here? You know, you've got Mark Turgeon, who realistically he got very fortunate, uh, you know, with a guy like Noah Trimble being able to wrangle him in as, as one of the top recruits in the country. You know, uh, Rashid Suleiman was a really nice transfer guy to pick up from Duke. Uh, but, you know, that's what you have to ask with the Terrapins is in this rough and tumble Big Ten where you've got a lot of really quality programs that, that don't really rebuild, they reload. You know, where does Maryland fall into that mix? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, the first thing, you know, as I mentioned is, you know, the NBA draft decisions. You know, what's going to happen? You know, Jake Lehman's gone. Suleiman is gone, obviously. You know, they're both seniors graduating. But uh, Trimble could potentially be back. Carter could potentially back, be back. And Stone could potentially be back. I don't anticipate all three will come back. Personally, I think only Carter will return. I think Trimble and, and Stone are going to go pro. That's just my my opinion. I don't have the inside knowledge there, but um, you know, if all three come back, you know, this is a potential Big Ten title contender again. Um, they have a nice recruiting class coming in, not necessarily a, a bunch of five stars like like they did this year uh, with Stone at least, but um, they, they do have a nice recruiting class. They have some depth. They have Wiley coming back who was injured for most of the year, um, and certainly, you know, if you have Trimble, Carter, and Stone. Uh, you have enough to compete. But uh, like I said, I anticipate Trimble and Stone will be gone. I, I think the roster is good enough to still be in that top 25 discussion or so on. Um, but they're really going to need that recruiting class to hit. Uh, I know there's a little chatter that they might go after a graduate transfer. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I still think there'll be an NCAA tournament team next year, but, but certainly not as loaded as this year. Any of the non-Big Ten games last night really stand out to you? Um, the one game that really stuck out to me was that Villanova beatdown of Miami. Um, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily think Miami is, is the greatest team, but um, Villanova just destroyed them. Um, they, they look scary, impressive. Uh, you know, I know Kansas is, is really good, but if they play like that on Saturday, they're going to beat Kansas easy. Um, you know. And I think, you know, from a Big Ten perspective, you know, obviously Villanova beat Iowa last uh, Sunday and did the same thing where they just ran them off the court. Um, so, I, you know, for Iowa fans, they do have to feel a little bit better about that loss. But, uh, yeah, Villanova looking scary impressive. I know I saw a stat that that was the highest uh, points per possession of the entire season um, in a Sweet 16 game against Miami, which is just mind-boggling. But uh, that that was the one game that, that comes to mind for me, at least. Well, move over to the Friday action here, uh, beginning with this Virginia and Iowa State game. 
obviously no Big Ten teams in this one. But, you know, uh, I, I really like talking about this game with the different guests that we've had on the show here, kind of crowdsourcing opinions, because these two teams are just so much different. Oh, certainly. You know, uh, Virginia is the classic, slow you down, uh, play great defense type of team. I, I know, well, I, I should just say be really efficient. And Iowa State, uh, you know, offensive powerhouse. Um, I'm interested to see how Monte Morris plays. You know, uh, I think if they're going to get through that Virginia defense and, and through that kind of slow, sluggish style, I, I think he has to be able to to push the plate. <coughs> excuse me, push the pace and get his teammates involved. So that's the thing I'm interested to see. You got Virginia getting some love in the betting market here. They're six or six and a half point favorite, depending where you look. So obviously, people. You know, looking to side with the defensive team here in this game, is that the way that you would lean? Yeah, yeah, I think I would lean Virginia. You know, I think they're consistent. Um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're not pretty, but they, they get the job done. Um, the one thing that would, would scare me a little bit if I was a Virginia fan is they've had trouble against teams that have the ability to push the pace. I know Iowa State isn't necessarily like a run-and-gun team all the time, but I think if they can do it efficiently, I, I think they could get Virginia out of sorts. But um, I think I probably still would lean with Virginia. Well, you've got Wisconsin and Notre Dame here, which is going to be a very interesting game because you've got two teams that really weren't expected to be here, even though they both made deep tournament runs last year. Notre Dame, a uh, quasi-Big Ten team because they're going to be joining the Big Ten Conference in college hockey coming up here in 2017. So, you know, uh, I guess we'll sort of group them here into the Big Ten of, uh, discussion, but you know, you've got this side here where you've got Notre Dame, just a short one-and-a-half point favorite. This probably isn't the most interesting game uh, of the Friday slate by any means, but so there are a lot of interesting one-on-one matchups and also some schematic matchups here as well. Yeah, certainly. I, I think for, for me, um, you know, the first thing, I, I definitely would agree, you know, this is this is not a game I, I anticipated. Um, I wasn't confident at all Notre Dame was going to get out of the first round, and, and here they are in the Sweet 16. And it's certainly Wisconsin. You know, a couple months ago, it seemed like people were writing the obituaries on the season, and, and suddenly they're in the Sweet 16. So kind of a, a wacky and wild uh, matchup here. But um, in terms of, you know, actual gameplay, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what happens up front. I know that's been the, the much-talked-about uh, matchup uh, between Zach August and Ethan Happ. Uh, August, he's really up front. He's one of the only Notre Dame guys that kind of does anything. Uh, not to, not to put the Irish down, but, um, he's the key cog there, and he needs to have a big game if they're going to get through Wisconsin. And, uh, Hap has been really good. I know he, he doesn't get talked about a lot nationally, but he has been a really good freshman for Wisconsin. Uh, he's not a, a physical back you down, beat you type of center forward type of guy, um, but he just, uh, he gets the job done, uh, whether it's creating shots around opponents, moving off the ball, and um, he, he makes opponents uncomfortable, I guess, in the post at least, you know, he's a decent post defender, so I think that that's where I'm going to be watching. Um, overall, I, again, it, it's kind of odd for me to say, given where Wisconsin was a couple months ago, but I, I like the Badgers in this game, I know they're... They're the underdogs, at least according to Vegas, but um, I, I think Hayes, uh, Koenig, and uh, uh, Hap are, are just going to be too much for Notre Dame. And um, the big thing for me is the Irish's defense is just really inconsistent. 
Um, they give up a lot of easy looks. And, and I think Wisconsin has the defense where if Notre Dame's given Wisconsin easy looks, they're going to be able to, to come out on top. The storyline that I'm most interested for this one, particularly from a Wisconsin standpoint, is how Greg Gard does in this spot. You know, I mean, it was a very impressive win to beat Xavier. I think Xavier is one of the most underappreciated teams in college basketball this year. And Wisconsin played right there with them with that short turnaround. you got to give them a lot of credit for that because you've got Gard here. I mean, yeah, he's been an assistant, and he's probably done some of the grunt work for Brian, and, you know, this was something that had been in the works for a while to elevate guard to the head coach of this program. But, you know, now it's time to, to really put this team in a position to have success in a massive game on a big stage. And for guard, it's probably going to be some nerves here. So I want to see how he handles this, particularly against the coach in Mike Bray, who's experienced, but no one really looks at him as being one of the premier coaches in the country. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, and I, I think the thing with guard is, you know, he's still – He's still kind of wanting to lay his stamp on the program, I guess. You know, he—he's the Bo Ryan disciple. You know, came up through the assistant tree with him. But yeah, this is a game where you know, if you can make the elite eight in your first year when you started as an interim head coach, you know, that's a big statement about where you can take this program long term. Um, and you know, I—I I, I think you know we all can agree if Wisconsin, regardless of which two of these teams advance. They're going to be the underdog on Sunday against uh, Indiana or North Carolina, but you know you're one game away from a Final Four. You know you're one uh, hot shooting night from Nigel Hayes away from going uh, to Houston, which is just astounding. And you know for Wisconsin that would be three Final Fours in a row, which is crazy uh, to think about given all the roster turnover. But yeah, this is a big opportunity for him to lay his stamp and, and really. Uh, I think start building his program how he wants to. Well, I mean, what do you think he wants to do? I mean, have, have you seen anything different from Wisconsin from, you know, last year's Bo Ryan team to the current Wisconsin team here? Are there any discernible differences in how they play? Well, I, I think the the early thing, he's kind of gotten away from it a little bit here late, but um, they really went back to kind of the roots of that, of that swing offense. I know everybody talks about how that's what Wisconsin is known for, but – they had a lot of ISO action last year, you know, and to no surprise, when you have Frank Kaminsky and think Sam Decker, uh, you're going to do that. But um, they really got back to those roots, and I, I think that's going to help. And, um, you know, he, he, Garner has been credited for a lot of uh, the recruiting success over the last couple of years, you know, bringing in guys like Kaminsky. So I, I think, you know, maybe he changes up on the recruiting trail as well, goes for a little more athletic guys. You know, we'll see, obviously. But, um, yeah, you know, this, if he gets a win here, you know, it will certainly help him on the recruiting trail, that's for sure. Gonzaga and Syracuse is a pretty compelling game here. This is a 940 Eastern tip tonight, Midwest region in Chicago. Um, you know, obviously the, the big story here is going to be Gonzaga's bigs against that Syracuse zone. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you know, from a bird's eye lens here, you know, I think, uh, you know, Gonzaga's front court really talented. And I think uh, I'm really interested, you know, obviously Syracuse had a lot of criticism coming into the tournament, uh, whether they deserve to be there or not. Um, you know, they find themselves in the Sweet 16, but, you know, this is a big chance for Gonzaga. I, I think Gonzaga is a better team. I think they're going to move on. Um, and, you know, 
talk about a, a nice road to the to the Elite Eight here with uh, Syracuse, and um, I'm not sure beyond that <laughs> things will get really tough with either Virginia or Iowa State, but but I like with uh, Gonzaga tonight. Have you seen anything from Syracuse? You know, I mean, obviously they, they got very, very fortunate to avoid Michigan State and, and probably the most stunning upset in tournament history. Um, you know, have you seen anything from Syracuse that makes you think that they can play with Gonzaga here in this game? Um, I, I certainly think they can play with them. Um, you know, I, I don't expect a blowout or anything. You know, Syracuse, they, they've beaten some good teams this year. They've beaten UConn. They've beaten Texas A&M. Uh, they beat Notre Dame. You know, we were just talking about the Irish, but um, I, I really think it's the draw. You know, um, you know, they got to play Middle Tennessee, which uh, I under, you know, I understand. You know, maybe they were a little bit better than a typical 15 seed. They did beat Michigan State, but they're still a 15 seed. Um, and I think uh, Syracuse just got lucky in that matchup. And um, you know, Jim Beheim clearly a great coach. And maybe he'll have something ready for Gonzaga, but. Um, I, I really, I really like Wisconsin, or, uh, Gonzaga in this game, and uh, certainly um, if Syracuse did find a way, uh, you know they'd be a massive underdog um, in the Elite Eight game. So UNC and Indiana, two blue blood programs here, playing the late tip tonight in Philadelphia. Uh, this is going to be a fun game if you like offense. Certainly, yeah, this is going to be a. Uh, I'm, I'm really this is the game I'm most excited for tonight. Um, you know, you, you have an Indiana team that, that's just using its, uh, its freshmen, it's finding contributors, you know, role players, the bench has been huge, um, and then you have a North Carolina team that's just uber-talented, you know, the front court with Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks is just, uh, (laughs) incredible, um, you know, as far as who's going to come out on top, um, in this game, I really, you know, if the, the matchup has to be in the front court, you know, when you're talking about, you know, North Carolina, a team who they don't shoot the three well really at all. Um, they're, they're a team driven by their play up front. You know, it's going to be can Max Biefeld, can Thomas Bryant, um, can Anobi, can they match up with North Carolina inside and at least slow them down or at least avoid getting into foul trouble? Um, if they can do that, I, I think they absolutely have a chance in this game. And I say that because, uh, I, I like Indiana's backcourt better than I like North Carolina's. I I know Marcus Page, and you know North Carolina has a lot of talent there, but uh, I think Indiana's been more consistent. I think they have a more diverse uh, offensive game. You know, we'll see how it unfolds, obviously, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to come down to you know what happens up up front. Can Indiana slow them down? If if they can, I think they have a a really good chance in this game. Um, if they get pulverized and, and get into foul trouble, I think it could be a long night in Bloomington. Hoosiers a five-point dog tonight, uh, and, and people are going to play in the Kentucky game. And you know, I, I was pretty surprised, honestly, that Indiana played the way that they did against Kentucky. But what Kentucky has in athleticism is pretty similar to what North Carolina has in athleticism. The difference is North Carolina's athletic players are just—they're so much more polished than Kentucky mm-hmm. because Kentucky lost so much from last year. Yeah, certainly. And and the thing too is that you know uh, Kentucky relied a lot on uh, Tyler Eulis, and they relied a lot on Murray. Um, they were obviously both guards, both backcourt guys. And, and Indiana, the big difference for them is just their defense has developed so much over the season. 
Um, and again, I, I'm interested to see if they're going to try a couple different looks um, on Friday. You know, Crean has had a, a preference of potentially cross-matching guys uh, once in a while to, to kind of disrupt uh, another team's main guy. We'll have to see how that happens. Um, you know, North Carolina is obviously massive, so I'm not sure how, how much of an option that is today, considering Yogi Ferrell is pretty much a uh, relatively small guard. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> North Carolina, is, they're just they're just loaded up front. Uh, these are guys with a lot of experience. You know, you're talking about a lot, you know, two seniors. Um, and I think uh, it'll be interesting. You know, Indiana has experience up front. North Carolina has experience. Uh, I, I hate to just keep saying it's going to come down to the front court, but, you know, I, I think that's really how it's going to come down to unless one of these teams just goes off from three. So I want to take a look here at the Big Ten as a whole and sort of evaluate you know, the conference's performance. And obviously, you know, the, the jury is still out because they still have a shot at getting two teams in the Elite Eight, which would be, you know, fantastic. And, I mean, because I think Virginia beats Iowa State tonight, you know, that would be up there with the Big 12, who has Kansas and Oklahoma in there. And the Big 12 also with three Sweet 16 teams, same as the Big Ten. So, you know, in terms of, of conference superiority here, you know, you tell us the Big Ten and the Big 12 and, and sort of compare those two side by side. Um, overall here, you know, I, I think it's difficult to grade the Big Ten in March Madness because Michigan State was such a heavy hitter and they wind up getting upset in the first round. But does that Michigan State upset really just leave a, a, a negative picture for the Big Ten tournament as a whole? Um. Well, I, I definitely would agree with that. I mean, when you have your uh, Big Ten tournament champion, you're most likely keen to advance to the Final Four and, and win the championship. You know, them going down in the first round in a historic upset certainly doesn't uh, put a positive spin on things. But, um, you know, I, I'm one of the people, I like to step back and look at the overall picture. Because I think the first thing, you know, a lot of people like to base, you know, uh, you know, the big stat this week has been, well, the ACC has six teams in the Sweet 16. So, implications, you know, they're the best conference ever, you know, they're unstoppable. But I think you have to look at how they did it. And, and the other factor as well is, you know, for most of these conferences, half or more of the conferences not in the NCAA tournament. You know, they might be in the NIT, they might be in the CBI, uh, they might not be in the postseason at all. Um, for the Big Ten, I, I think they are certainly a, a notch behind uh, the Big 12 and the ACC, but I think, you know, if you can get a team to the Final Four, at least in contention there, uh, to win it all, I think it'll be, a, it'll be a good season. You know, the conference, they, they led the nation in most NCAA tournament bids, uh, or they were second, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> um, so I, I think you have to feel pretty good about things. Um, you know, if you had Michigan State in this, I, I think you'd feel a lot better, but, uh, you know, certainly it, it was disappointing to see the Spartans go down, and we'll have to see, you know, if Indiana or Wisconsin can get there. But uh, I do think, uh, again, that they're a, they're a notch behind the ACC and Big 12. But uh, overall, I, I still think a relatively good year for the conference. It's just been tough. You know, and Michigan technically won a game in the NCAA tournament because they, they won that play-in game, uh, and they weren't able to get past Notre Dame. And then Purdue, you know, I mean <laughs> – that's just one of those cases where Purdue just didn't finish that game off at the end, and they really should have. I mean, you got to give Arkansas a little rock in this situation, but 
Yeah, that, that's not a game that Purdue should lose. And then Iowa running into Villanova, like you said, I mean, Villanova's on another level right now. Mm-hmm. So the, the Big Ten, while the, while the conference didn't do itself any favors, you know, I mean, you still have a live Indiana team here that knocked off a premier program in Kentucky with a shot to knock off another premier program in North Carolina. You've got Wisconsin, who wasn't supposed to be here, but is. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag. You know, I don't think you can really give a full answer one way or another. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, I, I mean, the big thing, you know, as we're talking now, who knows, in, in 24 hours, 12 hours or so, you know, the Big Ten could have two teams in the Elite Eight, uh, you know, guaranteed team in the Final Four. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to speculate too far out. You know, we don't know who's going to make the Elite Eight. We certainly don't know who's going to make the Final Four. But if, if Indiana takes down UNC, uh, I certainly think they have the capability to make it to the title game. Um, and I say that because, uh, you know, they're going to be favored against Wisconsin. I think Virginia, um, Iowa State, both of those teams have vulnerabilities. Uh, you know, as we talked about, Gonzaga, Syracuse, they, they kind of are the shockers in the Sweet 16. So I think, uh, you know, you could very easily see a team getting into the title game. Um, speculating beyond that, you know, we're getting kind of out there. But uh, you'd feel a lot better about the conference if suddenly, you know, now you have a title uh, game participant. So still a lot of games, to, uh, still a lot of uh, game time to be played. But, uh, yeah, it is kind of a mixed picture, and we'll kind of see how it turns out. The last thing I asked about here is Ohio State's second-round exit in the NIT. They beat Akron at home in what was expected to be a very difficult spot for the Buckeyes because, you know, Akron, obviously, a lot of guys that are very familiar with Ohio State or maybe were recruited by the Buckeyes or weren't recruited by the Buckeyes. So they just had a ton of motivation in that one. Uh, but then Ohio State loses at home in the second round to higher-seeded Florida who couldn't play at home with some arena construction going on. Um, you know, so with the way that things ended for Ohio State, and of course with Jason Tate being out, and that was a, a big factor in what happened then in the NIT, uh, you know, is that a team that you see maybe taking a step forward next year, or are they going to continue to hover in mediocrity? You know, they're going to be one of the more interesting teams in this offseason. Um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, brought, generally speaking, everything is coming back you know, from this year, you know, barring a, a transfer, you know, we'll see what happens, but, you know, everything's going to come back, and, and they are one of the youngest teams in the country. Um, so, you know, from a general standpoint, you expect, you know, youth to get better. You expect if you're bringing back all these people, you're going to improve. And, I mean, just from a, you know, look back on this season, they were playing much, much better at the end of the year, um, you know, before Jason Tate went down, uh, obviously, than they were at the beginning of the year. You know, a lot of the losses that kept them out of the NCAA tournament were the ones that happened in November, in December, uh, in January. So, you know, if they were, if you took the team at the end of the year and put them through the whole season, you know, maybe they're on that bubble. You know, maybe they have a chance. But, you know, the big concern though is you know, this is a team that they didn't have a lot of star power this year. You know, Jason Tate was a really nice contributor. Uh, you know, he wasn't an all Big Ten type of player, or at least, you know, first, second team. And I think if you're going to be a real contender, you have to have two or three of those guys, uh, in that conversation. And I, I'm not sure, you know, Jaquan Lyle maybe, Jason Tate maybe, um, you know, we'll see maybe Keita, uh, base the up gets into there. But until we kind of see those guys take that next step, uh, you have to have some hesitation, even with all the guys coming back. So we'll see how it shakes out. Um, 
But uh, as of now, I think they'll get, get better. I, I'm just not sure if they can crack into that Big Ten title contender type of group. Thomas Bendis, a lot of excellent stuff from you in the top of the segment. You're from BC Powerhouse, the SB Nation home of the Big Ten. What's going on over there today uh, and then throughout the weekend? Yeah, we have we have a lot of coverage. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend, depending on if Wisconsin or Indiana moves on. But um, we have full breakdowns on both of the games tonight. We have breakdowns on yesterday's Maryland game. Um, we're getting some of the season recap stuff out on, on the teams who have been eliminated from the Big Ten. Uh, tons of coverage. I think we've had five stories up already this morning. So uh, if you're into Big Ten hoops or, or just the NCAA tournament, definitely uh, give us a read. Thomas, I appreciate all your thoughts here throughout the college basketball season. Enjoy the action this weekend. We'll talk to you again real soon. Will do. Thanks a lot.